Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's been said that entrepreneurship is the new rock and roll. While some teenagers lock themselves in their bedrooms practicing to become the next music legend... Others are learning to code on their MacBook in order to make their fortune from a smartphone app. I'm Jonathan Moles. Over the next 10 weeks, I'm going to be following the stories of some of these creative entrepreneurs as they tell me how they built their businesses. In each episode, I'll discuss one element that is critical to building a successful company. Every business starts with an idea. So in this first episode, I've come to a quiet place, the British Library. It's here that I met Alberto Lopez, who developed his business idea for Alva, a corporate reputation management service, among the ancient tomes. A lot of people wonder whether, first of all, it's a decision to be an entrepreneur or it's the idea first. Mm -hmm. Um, And I suppose people often think, They've got to come up with that killer idea. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why they, they never do it. Mm-hmm. But I think often the, the truth is something different. Yes. So maybe you just explain a bit about how and why you felt you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Sure. I think deep down I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. But I was always very conscious to sort of have as much experience as possible to be able to avoid mistakes that entrepreneurs make. Because you'd grown up in an entrepreneurial family. That's right. Tell so, us a bit about so, it. So my dad was an entrepreneur. He's retired now. But uh, he actually pretty much a uh, self-made man, you know, left the school when he was 10. At the age of 18, he decided to set up his own business. And uh, he had a very successful business what was back doing? in Spain doing... Um, Decorative lighting. We all had very good education, private school and so on. And my dad was always very conscious that uh, since he didn't have the opportunity to study, actually to give us the opportunity to study. But what's really exciting is that he always involved us with the business. So we actually got the chance to see what it's like to be an entrepreneur at home and at his job, at his work. So we actually saw first how hard you need to work. Entrepreneurship is a lifestyle, yeah. and you have to work pretty and much all the time. You all the time switched on. This is the thing you saw, yeah, the, the excitement of that, and there must have been a, a sort of buzz and fun of your your dad sort of doing this. As you say, you know, he uh, was able to provide you with a, a good education. You went to university. That's right. And then you later on you you came to business school here in London. Mm. Indeed. So so I did. A degree back in Spain, but while I was doing the degree also, um, I'm working full-time. And that gave me the money to then be able to go abroad 
in the summers. And that actually led me to think I'm really enjoying this thing of being abroad. And I was sort of reaching 25 and I thought I could do another degree in the UK. So I did the same thing. I came here, did um, media management at the, at the University of Arts at LCP. And there I was there for three years. And after the second year, I actually got the chance to work in the city. And the company I was working in the city, uh, after one year and a half, they offered me a sponsorship for an MBA at Cass Business School. Right. So you were following the classic sort of career path, climbing the ladder, that MBA students moving up senior executive posts within a mm. corporate structure. So um, was it a matter of an idea that you had, or was there a certain moment that opened the door to enable you to do that and what happened? Yeah, to be honest, it wasn't an idea, it wasn't a clear idea. What I had was a collection of experiences that led me to sort of start the path into the idea and formulate the idea into a business. I did learn that actually ideas, there are many, but actually it's 1% is the idea, 99% is the execution. And I've actually learned to do the execution through my career, about 15 years working in corporate. And so a lot of people would find that a very scary prospect of someone who didn't really have the idea there encapsulated. They're in this, you know, what most people would say is a very safe, a very promising career. What enabled you to make that break and try then to develop that idea? What happened is that uh, we're talking about February 2009, so the world was collapsing and uh, the company I was working for went through restructuring. I was offered a redundancy. I took it. And then very quickly I sort of thought, what next? And the what next didn't look like a job in corporate. It just didn't look like. So uh, I had a few meetings with uh, friends. I talked to my wife and... Um, I thought I'm going to give myself initially six months to see whether there's something to explore here. And then is when I started networking. Uh, I started sort of uh, throwing the idea with friends, throwing the idea with professional colleagues. And so out of every meeting, I was sort of forming what the business was going to be. And then also, the last thing I wanted to do was to get distracted at home. So... I created a routine for myself to actually come here to the British Library pretty much every day. Right. It's a big free office, I suppose. You've Indeed. got, And we're here in the Business and IP Centre at the That's Library, right. which is specially set up for would-be or existing founders to develop business ideas. Indeed. It was all free to access. And in, in fact, these, uh, these meeting rooms, we actually use them to discuss the idea five years ago, it just felt right. It gave me the feeling that I was actually going to work. I was sort of creating something. Maybe you just explain a bit about what actually you started with as, a, mm. as an idea. Sure. My background always been in business intelligence and, and media. So I wanted to do something in that space. But it became very clear at the time that actually Twitter was gathering a lot of momentum Social media was gathering a lot of momentum. And coming from a sort of background of the business intelligence, my thinking was, 
what does it all mean to businesses? How can business extract insight out of all these fragmented content? So I did a great deal of sort of research here in the British Library to look for what business were doing, how business were tackling all this content. Right. Yeah. And you now, how many um, companies do you So we work right now with uh, 35 of the Global 2000. We've been growing 100% year on year since we started. We actually went live March 2010. And the business now employs 34 people. We're set to double our size again this year. Alberto is not unique in knowing that he wanted to be an entrepreneur before he came up with his idea. David Falzani, a visiting professor at Nottingham University Business School, as well as an entrepreneur himself, has said the drive to find the big startup idea is overrated. I asked him what he meant. I think um, a good idea does have a role, but really for me, 90%, if not more, of the success of a startup business is all about the execution stage. Um, I think the value in a startup idea is really about creating excitement. It's about creating motivation for all the stakeholders involved. So it's something that motivates the, the team, the initial founder, uh, his or her recruits. Um, it has to, of course, interest the customer. And ultimately, if, if there's an investment, it has to interest the investors. And so the idea has a role to play in that. It sets a, a vision and an expectation. But really, for me, that's a malleable thing. It's something that changes and evolves. And really, it's much more about the execution phase. Within the execution phase, all of the ideas that behind the initial sort of startup concept might be thrown away. They might be discarded. They might be improved upon. So the startup idea has a role, but it's perhaps um, a minority role compared to that phase of execution and exploration. Some entrepreneurs seem to have the gift of coming up with great idea after great idea. Here's David Falzani again. In environments with high uncertainty, where there are high levels of unknowns, it's about much more of an iterative process. Um, and for me, that's one of the things that successful entrepreneurs do. So people who've had five or six or ten good successes in entrepreneurship, as opposed to just having had one and failing, the difference is this process of an iterative approach. It's an approach of discovery in the marketplace, of learning and reaffirming those elements which have worked, discarding those which haven't, and perhaps then taking a slightly different approach as to how you can make um, the business move on to the next node in the grid. And it could be that that is a direction completely different to the original business idea. John Mullins is a professor of entrepreneurship at London Business School and the author of several best-selling books on the subject of starting a business. I asked him about the just-do-it approach and the concept of testing the market with a minimum viable product. I think it makes sense to get quickly into the marketplace because that's the only place you can get real information on the viability of your idea. So it makes enormous sense. But there are a couple of things that worry me about this approach. First, not all businesses are created equal. Some markets and some industries are more attractive than others. And shouldn't you spend a little time thinking about which of those markets or industries might be more attractive before you launch rather than finding yourself in a place you don't want to be. And then second, I, I worry about this idea of minimum viable products. I think it gets taken too far. Why would you want to launch a crappy product? You know, shouldn't you, should, shouldn't you step back and assess the opportunity? And if it's really a good opportunity, then, uh, you know, make sure you've got something that's, that's pretty good before you launch. Let's leave the last word for Alberto. I remember when I was setting up the business, I came across this particular website. Uh, it was called 1000 Ideas. 
right. for businesses. At that moment, I realized that the idea wasn't as important as the execution. My learning here was what's really important is that you do something that you are familiar with, yeah. that you do something that you know well. So sort of knowledge of the domain, it's absolutely key. Next week, we'll be looking at funding. What is it good for? When to raise it? And perhaps most importantly, how much money you need to create that world-beating startup. So please join us again then. And in the meantime, if you have any questions for me or any of the experts in our series, email me at jonathan.moles at ft.com and we'll attempt to answer some of these at the end of the series. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.